Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. Uh, my name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. I know you really came for me, so uh, actually, I'm not going to do anything, but um, we're glad you're here. And um, we've been in the middle of a series called Anxiety Island, where we've been talking about how we're going to kick anxiety off the island of our lives. And uh, we've been talking about how we can actually uh, overcome our anxieties and our worries and our fears. And to kind of change things up a little bit, rather than continuing to uh, actually just hear from me, uh, we decided that you would hear from somebody who has a very powerful story. His name's Dan Meyer. And uh, Dan actually lived here in Muncie for a season of his life and uh, was able to connect here. And um, not only has he this great gift of the sword swallowing, which is cool, but even more so is his ability to tell his story of how he overcame his own fears and anxieties to be able to do the impossible in his life. So... What I'd like you to do right now is to give a warm welcome uh, to Dan Meyer. Wow, thank you. Thanks. Morning. Wow, sitting ovation, you guys. This is great. Thank you. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Well, um, it's good to be back in Muncie. Uh, good to be back here. It's uh, awesome to be here at the Jar Church with a bunch of Jar Heads. Thank you, guys, and uh, it's kind of neat to, uh, an honor to be the, the end of your uh, Anxiety Island program, but I've got a, a little confession to make. I am not uh, a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Um, I am definitely not a gifted public speaker, and you'll see why in a few minutes. Uh, that is not what uh, I'm really good at. Really, I'm just a scared, shy, skinny, wimpy kid from Indiana who had big fears and big dreams, and God has taken me on a, a big journey, a, a remarkable journey uh, in my life. And uh, do you guys like stories? You, okay, good. I'll tell you some stories. It'll be a little bit easier. I don't have to preach or anything. But then hopefully I, I will be able to give you some insights on overcoming fear and doing the impossible in your lives. So, um, first story. There once was a king in India, a Maharaja, and for his birthday, a decree went out that all the chiefs should bring gifts fit for a king. Some brought fine silks, some brought fancy swords, some brought gold. At the end of the line came walking a very wrinkled little old man who'd walked up many days' journey from his village down by the sea. And as he walked up, the king's son asked, What gift do you bring for the king? And the old man very slowly opened his hand to reveal a very beautiful seashell with swirls of purple and yellow, red and blue. And the king's son said, That's no gift for a king. What kind of gift is that? And the old man looked up at him slowly and said, Long walk, part of gift. In a few minutes, I'm going to take you, I'm going to bring you a gift, a gift that I believe is a gift worth spreading. But before I do, let me take you on my long walk, okay? Um, now, some of you have heard that I'm a swords follower. How many of you have never seen a real live swords follower before, live, up close, and in person? Wow, look at that, like 99% of you, okay? How many of you have never seen a dead swords follower from a distance? <laughs> okay. Let's hope that doesn't happen up here today, okay? If it does, I'm just kidding. If it does, you can come up and kick the body. I'm just, no, if I kick the bucket. So, uh, no, seriously, if I'm up here bleeding, if I impale myself, if I'm, you know, gushing blood or whatever, you've got to promise me, please promise me that you'll tag me on your video so it goes viral on YouTube, okay? Hashtag killed it. Hashtag jab gone bad. Hashtag not coronavirus. <laughs> so I had a really good COVID joke for you guys right here, but statistics say 99.8% of you won't get it. So, Oh, you got it. You positive? Okay. So um, how many of you actually believe sword swallowing is really real? 
poor gullible people. Okay, how many of you think it's fake, a gimmick, a trick? Not sure. How many of you aren't sure? How many of you would like to find out? How many of you don't give a darn? And how many of you aren't going to raise your hands no matter what I ask? <laughs> Got you to raise your hand, though, didn't I? No, sir, I said hand, not finger. So, just kidding. So I'm going to, I'll give you a little bit on sword swallowing here in a little bit. But uh, I get asked a lot of questions about the sword swallowing. The number two most common question I get asked is how. How many of you like, like to know how sword swallowing works, what the secret is for sword swallowing? Okay. I'll try and explain some of that for you. I'll explain the secrets. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll try to give you the secret for doing the impossible in your life and overcoming fear. Um, and if we're lucky, um, I'll attempt to do the impossible right before your very eyes or right here at Jar Church. Uh, as a matter of fact, if we're really lucky, would you like to see a miracle this morning? Yeah? Okay. Well, we'll see what we can do here. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. but Well, that, that was the number two question is how. The number one most common question is not how, but why. How many of you want to know why I'm a sword swallower today? Thank you for playing along, studio audience. <laughs> uh, I get asked this question all the time afterwards, and I kind of have to explain it now because if I don't, you'll all come up afterwards and you'll say, did you just wake up one day and decide to swallow a sword? People ask me that over and over and over again. So uh, if it's okay with you, I'll explain why I'm a sword swallower today, okay? So like most of you, I started life as a little kid. How many of you started life as a little kid, born young? About half of you, okay. And the rest of you, what, born full grown? Man, I want to meet your mama. Talk about impossible. Well, as a little kid, I had a fascination with doing the impossible. I grew up in Michigan City, up in, in LaPorte County, and the first 20 years of my life, uh, I, had, I was a scared, shy, skinny, wimpy kid with big, big dreams. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to visit exotic destinations. I wanted to climb mountains, find treasure, do the impossible like a superhero. I had some really, really big dreams, but I had a small problem, big fears. I suffered from low self-esteem, inferiority complex, fear of failure and rejection, and something we didn't even know you could sign up for back then, something called social anxiety disorder. I was such a coward, my favorite color was yellow. The first 20 years of my life, I had low self-esteem, inferiority complex. Uh, I couldn't talk. Uh, how old are you? Ten. You're not going to believe this. When I was your age... I was 10. But if I had to stand in front of my class to speak, my heart was racing. My knees were shaking. My hands are shaking worse than they're shaking right now. And when I opened my mouth to speak, the words would not come out. I would black out like a deer in the headlights. And because I had fears, the bullies would tease me and beat me up. They used to laugh and call me names, never let me play in any of their reindeer games. You knew that was coming, right? Well, there was one game that we played in Michigan City. I don't know if you play it down here in Muncie or not. Dodgeball. And I was not a good dodger. The bullies would call my name, and I'd look up, and I'd see these pink dodgeballs hurtling at my face at supersonic speed. And I'd think, why is that pink dot getting bigger? And then it hit me. Bam, bam, bam. And I remember many days walking home from school. My face was red and stinging. My ears were red and ringing. My eyes were burning with tears. Their words were burning in my ears. And whoever said sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you heard that? It's a lie. Words can cut like a knife. Words can pierce like a sword. Words can make wounds that are so deep they can't be seen. So I had fears, and words were my worst enemy. Still are. I hate words. This is one of the hardest things in the world for me to do right now. 
But I also had dreams. I dreamed I wanted to be a superhero. So I'd run home and I'd escape the Superman comics. And any of you ever want to be a superhero? Like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, sir? Well, I wanted to be a superhero like Spider-Man and Batman. And I would watch Superman all the time and Batman. But I had a little problem. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, they all lived in big cities. I came from a small town. They all had really super cool superhero costumes. I had a faded red bath towel, and it was plaid and ugly. And I'll tell you what, if you get run, caught running around wearing a flashy red cape these days, it's just not cool. So I want the red shoes instead. Does that make sense? But the biggest thing was the superheroes all knew their superpower. I knew my kryptonite. Fear was my kryptonite, my parasite that had crippled and paralyzed me my entire life. But I didn't know what my superpower was. So I set out on my quest to find my superpower. You know, not all superheroes wear capes. My biggest superhero was my dad. My dad said, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you wanted to be. I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be amazing. I wanted to do something incredible. I wanted to do the impossible. So I would run home and I'd escape to Guinness Book of World Records and Ripley's Believe It or Not books. Any of you guys ever read Guinness Book or Ripley's Believe It or Not books? And I saw real people doing real feats. And I vowed if those bullies wouldn't let me play in their sports games, I wanted to do real feats real magic. I wanted to do things the other kids could not do. I wanted to find my purpose and calling. I wanted to know my life had meaning. I wanted to do something really remarkable with my life and somehow change the world. I wanted to prove the impossible is not impossible. And uh, the first 20 years of my life, I lived in extreme fear. Then when I was 20 years old, I had the opportunity to go to India as a missionary, a Lutheran missionary. And before I went, I prayed for three things. I prayed that God would take my fears and give me a way to connect with the Indian people. That he would take my pride and teach me humility. That he would, um, that he would take my lack of direction and he would show me his purpose and calling in his life. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful what you ask for. I believe God's got a funny sense of humor. He's got to. He, invent, he made, what, platypus and penguins and pachyderms and politicians and blondes, right? Uh, which kind of was uh, interesting because when I landed in India, my blonde hair attracted people. I was... The Indian kids where I lived in South India, I landed in a place called Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh, which is down in South India. And there were these Indian kids had never seen a blonde. So they would take me by the hand and they would point to a knife or a sword and they'd say, Kati. And they'd point to a tree and say, Maram. And they'd point to an elephant and say, Yarnai. So I started to learn the Tamil language. And I learned to read and write the alphabet of Tamil, 247 characters in the Tamil alphabet, and I found I had a knack for this. It was really fun. And uh, 200, think about that, 247 characters in the, in the alphabet. You can imagine how long it takes them to play Wheel of Fortune, right? Vanna White would need a hoverboard to cover that puzzle board, right? Um, but I learned to read and write Tamil and speak a little bit of Tamil, which came in really, really handy because we did 10 to 12 programs a day uh, what they called functions, we would perform at schools, churches, hospitals, leprosy missions, orphanages, political rallies, just all kinds of places throughout South India. And it was always my job to introduce the group. So I'd always introduce ourselves, and I'd come out there and I'd say, Namaste, which means my soul greets and respects your soul. Then I would say, Yen Payer Daniel Meyer. My name is Daniel Meyer. Yenaku Tanganira Meyer, which means I have golden colored hair. 
And it worked. The Indian people would laugh and giggle, and they'd all come up afterwards, and they wanted to feel my golden-colored hair. So I started to invite people, if you want to, come on up afterwards, and you can feel my golden-colored hair, you know. And they just loved it. My last name, Meyer, means hair. So this, we did this 10 to 12 times a day, every day for months. Finally, at the end of several months, a missionary pulls me aside and he says, do you know what you're saying? I said, yeah. My name is Dan Meyer, and Yenuku Tengenira Meyer, and I have golden-colored hair. Meyer means hair, right? And he said, well, kind of not really. It actually means pubic hair. Talk about embarrassed. Talk about humbled. And, I mean, talk about blonde moment. I thought back on all those thousands of times I had so proudly proclaimed, my name is Dan Meyer, and I have golden-colored hair. And those Indians must have thought, these Americans, they're very, very friendly, very, very open. (laughs) And that's how I got my nickname, Goldilocks. But the rest of the group just called me Curly. So, uh... Be careful what you ask for. I believe God's got a funny sense of humor. Prayer number two answered. A way to get learn humility. Then several weeks later, it was a week before my 21st birthday, and my team leader, uh, Greg Ormson, and I, it was about 120 degrees. We're carrying our guitars. We stopped under a banyan tree. I'll never forget this. And he asked me, he said, do you have thromes, Daniel? And I said, thromes? What are thromes? And he said, thromes are like a bucket list. They're like major life goals. If you could go any place you want to go, do anything you want to do, be anyone you want to be, where would you go? What would you do? Who would you be? I said, no, man, I can't do that. I'm too scared. I got too many fears. That night, it was about 105 degrees, no electricity out, and balmy 105. We took our little rice mats up on the roof of the bungalow to sleep under the stars. And all I could think about was thromes, what I wanted to do with my life. And a few hours later, I woke up. My heart was racing. My knees were shaking. But this time, it was not with fear. My entire body was convulsing with 105-degree malaria fever, my brain burning up with malaria fever. And for the next four or five days, I was on my deathbed fighting for my life. And all I could think about was thrones, what I wanted to do with my life, if I could do anything with my life. Finally, the night before my 21st birthday, in a moment of clarity, the fever broke for a minute, and I realized something. In a moment of clarity, I realized that little tiny mosquito, Anopheles stevensi, that weighs less than a half a grain of salt, if that little mosquito could take me out, I realized that was my kryptonite. And I thought, no, 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 it's not the mosquito. It's the little parasite that lives inside the mosquito that had gotten into my bloodstream. Plasmodium falciparum that kills over a million people a year. And then I realized, no, 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 it's even smaller than that. But to me, it seemed so much greater. I realized that fear was my kryptonite, my parasite that had crippled and paralyzed me my entire life. And you know, I realize there's a difference between danger and fear. Danger is real. Fear is a choice. And I realized I had a choice. I could either live in fear and die a failure, or I could face my fears, put my fears to death, and take on risks and challenges and dare to live. And I realized everyone dies. Not everyone really lives. And I realized I had a choice. I could either die or live that night. And I decided I wanted to live. I chose life. So I prayed a little prayer, and I said, God, if you let me live until my 21st birthday... I will not live in fear anymore. I'm going to put my fears to death. I want to take on risks and challenges. I want to find my purpose and calling. I want to know my life has meaning. I want to do something really remarkable with my life and somehow change the world. I want to prove the impossible is not impossible. Now, I won't tell you if I survived until my 21st birthday or not. I'll let you figure that out for yourself. But that night, I I made put together a list of my first 10 thrones. 
And I thought, there's no way any of these are going to happen. I come from a, a, we were not a rich family at all. And I knew I had so many fears. I thought, there's no way these can happen. But I thought, what the heck, I'm going to go for it. So I decided, I put a little list together, and I thought, I want to visit all the major continents. I want to visit the seven wonders of the world, learn a bunch of languages. I want to live on a deserted island. I want to live on a ship in the ocean. I want to live with a tribe of Indians. I want to work with a circus, work in the music business in Nashville, climb to the top of the highest mountain in, in Scandinavia, jump out of an airplane, and see Mount Everest at sunrise. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to do any of these. And um, uh, a few weeks later, uh, we, we left and, and came back to the States, and I went back to Michigan City. And I went back to the mall, Marquette Mall in Michigan City, went back to the men's clothing store that I'd worked at. And one of my buddies there said, um, he said, now what are you going to do after you've had this great experience in India, this mind-blowing experience, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I guess I'll come back here and work at the mall, you know, 21-year-old kid. And he said, no. He said, don't do that. You've already gone through that door. Go through another door. Knock on more windows of opportunity. Find something bigger. Bite off more than you can chew. Go on to something bigger than that. And a few weeks later, one of my classmates from high school uh, came into the store with his parents, and they were looking for swimming suits. Well, we all knew that they owned an island in the Bahamas. And so I sold them their swimming suits, and I was just kind of joking with them. And I said, well, let me know if you need any help on your island down there. And Mrs. Ruzik said, yeah, we could use some help. Sure, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And if you want to come on down, you can, you can come down and help work on the island. I'm like, what? Really? No way. So I asked my dad, who was an Allstate insurance agent. He had the family insured. He said, sure, they're a good family. You can, you can go down to the Bahamas. Sure. So I ended up moving down to the Bahamas and could check off one of my thrones off of my list. Couldn't believe it. Ended up staying in a tent with about four or five other high school kids for about a month. They all left and went back to the States. And I stayed on this little island uh, off and on for about seven years in a thatch hut wearing a loincloth that I'd learned to wear in India, climbing coconut palms like I'd learned in India, and uh, surviving on spearing sharks and stingrays and lobster and grouper and whatever I could to eat. And I you know, couldn't believe it. Check one off the list there. And um, what I found is as I went through my list of thromes, every time I'd check one off the list, I'd add five or ten more onto the list, and the list continued to grow. It ended up Right now, it's probably a 1,000 things on my list of thrones right now. But from there, uh, I came back and moved here to uh, Alexandria, to Anderson, worked for Bill and Gloria Gaither, um, worked in the recording studio there for a couple of years, and produced records, and that was kind of eye-opening for me. And then I, one day while I was there, I was like, man, I'd love to get back down to the island, prayed a little prayer. And the next day, my phone rings, and it's Neil Ruzik, Mr. Ruzik, he says, hey, Dan, I've got a cruise line that wants to stop on the island two days a week. Would you like to come back down and work on the island? I'd like to hire you as manager for this little island. I'm like, wow, I just prayed about that yesterday. I better take this opportunity. Moved down, became a scuba instructor, snorkeling instructor, and lived on a cruise ship for two years. Check another one off on my list of thrones. I couldn't believe it. From there, I moved to Mexico. I eventually moved to um, the Amazon rainforest of Ecuador, where I lived with a tribe of Indians. Uh, in a place called Pujopongo and Rio Pastaza in the Amazon rainforest, and then moved to Nashville, worked in the music business in Nashville, eventually moved to Stockholm, Sweden, uh, where I worked in the music business there, climbed to the top of Mount Kebnekais, the highest mountain uh, north of the Arctic Circle in Sweden, um, started learning circus skills, juggling, fire eating, became a circus clown, uh, worked with Hoxie Brothers and Carson and Barnes Circus, and little by little, I started checking these thrones off my list. And I couldn't believe it. But what I learned is the more you gain confidence and, and if you focus on your dreams, focus on your thrones, you actually don't focus so much on the fears, at least for me. And uh, in 1997, I heard there were less than a dozen sword swallowers left in the entire world. And I found out that sword swallowing had started in Andhra Pradesh, where I had seen it as a 20-year-old kid from one of the last Indian sword swallowers in the exact place where it had started 4,000 years before. And I started practicing that, added it to my list of thrones. 
And so, and I'm going to kind of pause right here. Last week, uh, last Sunday, I was sitting around a campfire with some friends, and a friend of mine who is a new Christian, she was uh, kind of telling us her story. She's stressed out, paralyzed in fear. She has panic attacks. She doesn't have a job. She has to move out of her apartment, find a new place to live. She was just freaking out. And she said, how do you overcome fear? What, what can you do to overcome fear? So I came up with a few practical applications that I've learned, at least in my life, for overcoming fear and doing the impossible. And I'm going to give you a couple of those. These, these can be your takeaway if you're taking notes or something you want to take away. Uh, let's go on to the next slide. So... Um, the first one is don't focus on the fear. My first 20 years of my life, I would focus on the fear. I looked at that fear uh, when I was a grade school kid, when I was 10 years old. I was afraid I can't walk down this row because the bullies are going to trip me. They're going to knock me over. I can't talk to this girl because she's going to say this. I can't do this because this. I can't do that. And I, what I learned is fear is a liar. Fear is an exaggerator. Fear will exaggerate uh, there might be a little glimmer of truth in fear. There is some healthy fear. But if you let it grow in your head, it just continues like a black mold almost. It just continues to grow where you get paralyzed, where you can't do anything. You're just totally paralyzed. And you it's a belief system. And you're believing in the negative. You're believing that all these things could happen. And so what I, I told her was, don't focus on the fear. Put your fears to death and take on risks and challenges. First uh, Peter 5.7 says, uh, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So what I learned and what I did that night before my 21st birthday was I gave God my fears. And I said, God, I give you my fears. I submit my fears to you. I put them on your altar. Get them off my shoulders. I give them to you. And when I did that, I felt this huge weight lifted. So if you're struggling with fear, that's the very first thing is give God your fears. Give him your fears. Don't focus on those fears. Then the next slide is um, uh, so don't focus on your fears, but focus more on your dreams. Uh, for me, it was making a list of thrones. But uh, in Philippians, it says whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is uh, uh, excellent, whatever is worthy of, think about these things. Dwell on the things, on the positive things, not on the negative things. Don't dwell on the fear. Dwell on the things that, that are positive uh, things. So that kind of was a little minor shift that I did because instead of looking at my fears, I was focused on my, my thrones, my dreams, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. And yes, I still have a fear of snakes and I still have a fear of heights, but I just don't focus on it. I'm focused on where can I go next? What can I do? And you, you focus on those dreams. So my big takeaway for you is don't focus on the fear. Focus on your dreams. F focus on your thrones. Go on to the next one. Um, have a vision. Have a dream. Think big. Dream bigger. Um, Proverbs says, without a vision, the people perish. So if you don't have a vision, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what you're looking forward to, you're going to perish. But you can kind of turn that inversely and say, if you have a vision, those people with a vision thrive. My sister who lives here in Muncie, she has a vision. She wants to start a, an orphanage in Jamaica. And she's made a, a vision board where she puts photos down and pictures and she's written these things down, and we're believing that she's going to have uh, an orphanage in Negril, Jamaica. And she's gone back and forth, and little by little it's starting to come. And it's just by having a vision and moving forward with your vision. Next slide. Have, uh, write it down. Write down the vision. Habakkuk 2.2 says write down the vision on a tablet so even a runner can see it. So write it down. Write down your thrones. Write down your list. Make a vision board. Uh, one of the things that I learned back in the 80s or 90s, there was an article in Outside Magazine. It says, how to have your dreams come true, how to do the impossible. And they said, come up with your vision, with your dream, write it down, and then believe in it. 
um, talk to people about it. Talk it up. One of my dreams is, the biggest one, is to go to Papua New Guinea, where my mom was born. She was born in a tribe of headhunters in Papua New Guinea. I've never been there. Is there anybody here who's been to Papua New Guinea? Okay. Who here has not been to Papua New Guinea? About 99.9% of you, right? If I looked at that 99%, I'd say, oh, it's impossible to go. But people can go there. You can go there. My mom was born there. That's one of my biggest dreams. So Outside Magazine says, write it down, talk about it, talk to other people about it, and then start getting stuff. If you go to Walmart and you buy toothpaste and it's buy one, get one free, you get an extra roll of to- a tube of toothpaste, put it in the pile for your, your dream of where you're going to go. I would go out and buy books, um, uh, Lonely Planet books or travel books on where I wanted to go. So I've got books and brochures on Papua New Guinea, and I've looked at maps. And little by little, this intangible dream now has become a tangible little pile of toothpaste and books and magazines. And I don't know how many times I've sat on an airplane looking at my ticket going, I can't believe it, but I'm going someplace I never thought I could go. This, this past year, June, July, I flew over to Australia to do Australia's Got Talent. I was in Australia for a month, and I really wanted to go over to, to Papua New Guinea. It was $10,000 to fly from Sydney, Australia, to Papua New Guinea, which is right nearby. But I'm not there yet. I haven't been there yet. But I fully expect that I'll eventually get there because I'm working on those dreams, and I, I put it out there and mention it to other people, and they kind of give me connections, and it, it eventually it will happen. So write it down. Write it down. Have a vision board. Imagine it. Talk to other people, and pretty soon that pile of intangible becomes a real pile of tangible. Next thing you know, you've got a ticket in your, in your hand and you're actually going doing whatever it is that you wanted to do. On to the next slide. Um, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. Don't focus on the 99% that's impossible. Instead, focus on that 1% that's plausible. So when I first started learning sword swallowing, I would see photographs of sword swallowers. And I said, you know what? That looks 99% impossible. I don't really think that's real. It's got to be fake. And then I realized by studying the medical journals and x-rays and fluoroscopes, I started realizing, you know what? It's about 1% plausible. If you line everything up, if you go down the esophagus and nudge the heart aside and between the lungs and through the lower esophageal sphincter and down into the stomach, you know what? It's about 1% plausible, 1% possible. Now, the first 20 years of my life, I would look at the 99% of fear or the 99% impossible, and I'd say, there's no way I can do that. I can't do this at all. Now I look at it just the opposite. I find that 1% that's plausible and try and find a way to make it possible. And that is what's worked for me. It's totally shifted my, it's been like a paradigm shift or a, um, a shift in my perspective. So change your perspective, and that will help you do the impossible. Go on to the next one. So here's kind of a recap. Put your fears to death. Dare to die. Replace negative with positive. Dare to dream. Think big. Dream bigger. Uh, Make your thrones bigger than your fears. Write them down. Don't focus on your fears. Focus on your dreams. Don't focus on the 99% that's impossible. Focus on that 1% that's plausible and find a way to make it possible. So that's a little takeaway. I don't know if that's helped any of you or not, but that's what's worked for me uh, in overcoming fear and doing the impossible. You can go ahead and take take away that slide there if you would. Um, So we're going to show you just a little bit of sword swallowing, if that's okay with you guys here. Um, If you're a little squeamish, you might not want to watch. This is not recommended for impressionable children who might try this at home. So ladies, you might want to cover your husband's eyes. So I told you sword swallowing started in India, in southern India, in Andhra Pradesh, about 4000 BC. As far as we can tell, the very first sword swallower in India was probably a little Indian fakir guru by the name of Babu. Uh, we think his name might be, from studying the ancient Sanskrit, it might be Babu Patel Kapula Vrataya Ramaswamy Rajendran Ravikumar Gupta. But his friends all called him Bob. So in honor of Bob, I'm going to swallow a little 
uh, Indian sword, 18-inch Uday sword from India. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Oops. Okay, show of hands. How many of you believe this is a real fake sword? You should all have your hands up. This is kind of one of those fake swords that the magicians use to imitate real swords. It kind of looks like a tape measure, but without the yellow and numbers. Do you know why? Because if it had yellow and numbers on it, it would look like phone book okay. from from South India swords only moved north to ancient China China right up here by my wrist so what I've got is a Tai Chi sword from China uh, 36 inches of solid steel down the hatch without a scratch I hope and I want to hear you guys scream and cheer and shout as I get this one down okay Come on, you can do better than that. Oh, you want to see it down the front? Here we go, down the front. Oh, yeah! Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Oops. It was fake. Are you pretty sure? Show of hands. How many of you believe this is a real fake sword? That's right. You should all have your hands up here. People always say, why do you show the fake swords first? Do you know why? If I didn't show you the fake swords now, you wouldn't believe the real swords later. Right? Right? Now, how would you like to see the real deal, real steel? Yeah? He's, he's waiting for this one. All right. Here we go. Crank this up just a little bit here. Ladies and gentlemen, the act you're about to witness is an act that has baffled and amazed doctors and scientists around the world for centuries. The act you're about to witness is an act of internal isolation, where through years of practice and meditation, I've learned to overcome automatic body reflexes in order to impale my body of flesh and blood with this sword of solid steel. It's okay, ma'am. It's just an orange. Show of hands, how many of you believe this is a real orange? That's right. It's, it's not a stunt double. I got this one at Walmart yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, the actor about to witness is extremely dangerous. 29 people have died from sword swallowing injuries. I've almost died four times. This is extremely dangerous. It could kill me. I hope you enjoy it. You guys are enjoying it just a little bit too much. So what I'm going to do is lick the blade. Do not try this at home, okay? Before we go any further, I need you all to raise your right hand. Everybody in the room, raise your right hand. Repeat after me. Say, I state your name. Who said that? I promise I will not try this at home or at your grandparents' house or in the garage or at Golden Corral or airport security or anywhere so help me God, with liberty and justice for all, forever and ever. Amen. And then we'll pass the offering plate, and then we'll have a pot like... No, I'm just kidding. Don't try this at home, okay? I'm going to lick the blade to lubricate the blade. 
uh, for three reasons. Number one, to lubricate the blade, to feel for nicks and burrs, and to warm the blade up to body temperature. Tastes like orange. I'm going to plunge this down into my body. Now, when I pull the sword out, if you see anything come flying out of my throat, it could be my uvula, that little flap in the back of the throat. If it comes flying out, bring it up here, and I'll autograph it for you later after the show, okay? Do not try this at home. Thank you very much. Show of hands, how many of you believe I really swallowed the sword? About half of you, two thirds. How many of you think it's fake, a gimmick, a trick? Got a couple back there. What do you think it is? Fake sword or fake throat? If this were a real sword, it would have real impact, right? If this were a real sword, it would have real impact. Now, how many of you believe that's a real sword? Yeah? How about we swallow something that cannot fold up in the handle? Anybody who thinks this is fake, just hold up one finger. That's all I need is one finger. No, sir, not that finger. What I've got here is a common garden variety hedge clippers. Kids, don't try this at home with your dad's tools, okay? Your dad will get real mad at you for borrowing his tools and not putting them back. My dad's still looking for these. Don't tell him. Lubricate the blade. Oh, yeah. Show of hands. How many of you believe I really swallowed the hedge clippers? Good. We got a few of you up there. Okay. I'm going to do something that, um, something else that cannot fold up in the handle. This is an antique. Anybody know what this is? Oh, everybody says. It's a straight razor. It's not a gay blade or a trans razor. It's a straight razor. It's non-binary. It swings just one way, I think. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he's, he's covered like dad jokes. Kids, don't try this at home if you happen to find a giant straight razor laying around the house that your mom uses for shaving her back or whatever. The straight razor. Tastes like hemlock. Actually, it tastes like chicken. That's what I had last time I swallowed it. Ooh, yeah. How many of you believe I really swallowed the giant straight razor? A few more hands up on that one. But you guys didn't come to see straight razors and hedge clippers. You came to see a little sword swallowing. Someone swallow a little sword. What here I've got here is a 17-inch. Actually, I'm going to go up to the 18-inch long sword. 18-inch long sword, solid steel. I'm going to do this one. Do we still have any skeptics out here? Anybody who thinks it's fake? All right. I'm going to swallow this sword into my body, hold it using just my esophageal muscles, and then drop it into my body, no hands. But I need your help on this one. No, no, no. I need your help on the counting part, okay? If you know the words, in order, whatever order you want, ma'am. All right, let's practice, shall we? Ready? Here goes. Ready? Well, that's two, but you get the idea. This one's called the drop. I want to move this in on the next time. Yeah, this will work. Crank this one up a little bit louder if you could. Here goes.
Oh, yeah. And how are we doing? I'm going to wrap this up very quickly. I've got one more. You want to see one more? All right, good. I was hoping you'd say that. Good. Let me do one more for you here. I'm going to bring this one down. Sir, are you right-handed or left-handed? No, you, sir. Right hand? Okay, hold your right hand up over your head. Okay, for my next trick, I need a volunteer. I'll see that hand, brother. (laughs) Would you take a look at that sword? Make sure it is real. It's about a 30-inch sword with a 24-inch long blade. You are an expert in steel swords and metallurgy, right? No? But it looks like a real sword to you, right? All right, now hold that up over your head. Isn't that amazing? Nobody did nothing. Now hand it over to her. Hold that sword up over your head. Everybody give her a big round. Perfect. Sir, this is your, your lucky day. Do you know why? Because I'm borrowing her. Is that okay with you? Sure. What is your name? Karen? Crystal. Okay, same difference. Okay, Crystal, come on up here. Bring that sword up here. Everybody give Crystal a big round of applause. Watch your step. Walk on this side here. So what Crystal and I are going to attempt to do right now is three times more dangerous than regular sword swelling. Come right on over here, if you could, and face them. Feet shoulder width apart, arms straight down. You nervous? No, I'm talking to him over here. (laughs) You nervous? He's not nervous, no. So just taking a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. One more time. Breathe in. Hold it. Lean your head back. Open your mouth and say, ah. No. Crystal, do you believe you could swallow this sword? No. Do you believe I can swallow this sword? Yeah. You guys know what the difference is? Besides the obvious, I've got on red shoes and she doesn't. The main difference between Crystal and me is belief. I believe I can do it. She doesn't believe she can do it. What Crystal and I are going to do right now is three times more dangerous than regular sword swallowing. First of all, I'm going to impale myself down to my belt buckle. 29 people have died doing this, have almost died four times. But the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to drop this heavy sword into my body, no hands, like this. Danger number two, while it's in my stomach, I'm going to attempt to double my body directly in half and bow at the waist, like this. Hopefully without impaling any internal organs. Now, if you want photographic proof that sword swimming is really real, get out your cameras, your cell phones, your video cams. I'm going to come around this way one time and one time only so you can all see all the way down the blade, all the way down to the pit of my stomach. I'm going to come around one time. No pinchy pinchy up here, okay? We're in church. That'll be on tape. I'm going to come around one time. Then danger number three, I'm going to ask a total stranger here, Karen, Crystal, (laughs) to extract the blade from the pit of my stomach. That's where you come in. Okay. Are you right-handed or left-handed? Left. This is a right-handed. Wait. Now it's a left-handed sword. Okay. So grab it with your left hand. Pull it out very quickly. Okay? Do not wait. If you wait too long, my stomach can retch, can, can puncture on the bottom of my stomach. So pull it out very quickly. Okay? But not too fast or it'll slice the sides of my throat. Okay? It's kind of a medium speed. Okay? And whatever you do, don't scrape it up my backbone. Like, brrr, that just really hurts. Okay? Just pull it straight out like this. Hold it right over your head. And when she does, you guys are going to scream, cheer, and shout like a bunch of little girls at a Justin Bieber concert, right? (laughs) Okay. This is three times more dangerous than regular sword swallowing. Three times more dangerous. This is three times more dangerous than regular sword swallowing. This is your mission, Mission Impossible. Do you think you can do it? Okay. Music. There we go. Crank that up a little bit. A little bit more. There we go. And you guys are going to go nuts for her when she pulls this out, okay? You ready? Please don't kill me. Okay, don't, don't push. These are new jeans, okay? Okay. Take a bow. Take a bow. One more. Now, how many of you want to see Crystal swallow the sword? They love you, Crystal. 
can you, you can make your way down here. Just be careful on those steps there. Thank you very much. I promised you guys I would tell you a little bit about uh, sword swallowing and doing the impossible, and now I have. But you want to know the coolest thing, the neatest part about the whole thing? It's not about the, whoops, it's not about the swords. It's about the swallow. It's not about the places you see. It's about the people you meet and the lives you impact along the way. It's not about the mountain. It's about the climb. It's not about the, the destination. It's about the journey. It's not about the end product. It's about the process we all go through to get there. Now, when you all leave, if all you remember is just the swords, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg, but you're missing the main point. It's not about the sword. It's about the swallow. See, it's not about what you see on the outside, the flashy swords, the superhuman feats. It's about what you don't see on the inside, what's substantial, your purpose and calling, your superpower that gives you significance, your inner strength down deep inside. It's not about what letter you wear on your chest. It's about what you wear in your heart. It's not about the length of your sword, color of your cape, your shoes, your hair, your skin. It's about your strength of character, your courage, and what you do with it. It's not about being a superhuman and having great power. It's about being really superhuman and having great humility, about knowing your weakness, your failures, overcoming your kryptonite, your fears, finding your superpower, your force, and using your power to help others. With great power comes great responsibility. See, it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. I don't come to get laughs and applause. I come to give you a chance to, to, to watch and squirm, to listen and learn, and to wonder if you can do the impossible in your life. See, it's not about me. It's not about the swords. It's about you finding your sword and learning to swallow it. It's about you finding your superpower, overcoming your fears, and learning to follow it. It's not about having or doing the impossible. It's about having the courage to try. So people say it must take courage to risk your life, to nudge your heart, to swallow a sword. No, it takes real courage for that scared, shy, skinny, wimpy kid to risk failure and rejection, to bear his heart, to swallow his pride, and stand up here in front of a bunch of total strangers and tell you his simple fears and his uh, his, his story and risks from his guts both literally and figuratively. See, I told you I always wanted to do the impossible, and now I am. But this isn't it. I do this every day. I told you I always wanted to do something really remarkable with my life, and now I am. But the really remarkable thing is not that I can swallow this sword 20 feet underwater in a tank of 88 sharks for Ripley's, believe it or not, and Myrtle Beach. Get a video up there. A video. Here we go. Underwater in a tank of 88 sharks, for Ripley's, believe it or not. Or heated to 1500 degrees, red hot, to stand these superhumans. This is That sucker was hot. Or to pull a car by sword for Ripley's Baltimore. Or on America's Got Talent, all the way to the finals twice or to win the 2007 Nobel Prize in Medicine at Harvard University for medical research on sword swallowing and side effects, or to break the Guinness World Record by swallowing 29 sword swallowings, or to take a back on the world's got If I could swallow a sword or pull a car, I'd think, no, I'm focusing on that one thing that's positive and making it possible. That's not the really remarkable thing, though. The really remarkable thing is that God could take that scared, shy, skinny, wimpy kid who's afraid of heights and water and sharks and doctors and nurses and 
sharp objects and speaking to people. And now he's got me traveling around the world at heights of 30,000 feet, swallowing sharp objects underwater and tanks of sharks, and speaking to doctors and nurses and people like you in 55 countries around the world. That's the real miracle. That's the really amazing thing, the really remarkable thing for me. And I told you I always wanted to find my purpose and calling, and now I have. But it's not what you think. It's not in wielding my strengths, swallowing the swords. It's in wielding my weakness, swallowing in my words. You see, my purpose, my calling, is to change the world by cutting through fear, one sword at a time, one word at a time, one knife at a time, one life at a time, to inspire you to be a superhero and do the impossible in your life. My purpose is to help others find theirs. What's yours? What's your purpose? What's your calling? What were you put here on earth to do? What is your superpower? Look around the room. You're in a league of superheroes. You just can't see their capes. Matter of fact, there's a superhero sitting in your seat right now. You just didn't know it. What is your sword, your double-edged sword of fears and dreams? Swallow your sword, ladies and gentlemen. Follow your dreams. It's never too late to be whatever you always wanted to be. That scared, shy, skinny, wimpy kid can do the impossible, then so can you. So for all those bullies with the dodgeballs who said I'd never be able to do anything, I'd never be able to do the impossible in my life, I've got just one thing to say to them. Thank you. Because if it weren't for villains, we wouldn't have superheroes. And for each one of you who's ever been told you'll never amount to anything, you'll never be able to do the impossible in your life, I've got just one thing to say to you. The impossible is not impossible. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to do a little prayer, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Tom. Um, If you're struggling with fear, if you'd like to do the impossible in your life, if you'd like to give your life to God and have him work a miracle in your life. I told you we might see a miracle up here. You guys want to see a miracle? Yeah? You're looking at one. If God can take this scared, shy, skinny, whippy kid from Michigan City and do some incredible things in my life, he can do the same in your life. Now, some of you might not believe that God is really real, just like a lot of people don't believe sword swallowing is real. But sword swallowing is for real, whether you believe it or not. God is for real, whether you believe it or not. If you don't believe he's real, challenge him. Say, if you're, if you're for real, God, do the impossible in my life. Take my fears and do the impossible. So I'm going to pray a little prayer, and if you want to have God do the impossible in your life and take fear in your life and and do something remarkable in your life, you're welcome to follow along behind me. Uh, Just repeat what I say. If you could, please close your eyes and bow your head and repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you're real. Come into my life. Like a sword, pierce me deeply. Nudge my heart. I give you my fears. Turn my fears to faith. I give you my hurts. Turn my hurts to healing. I give you my mess. Turn my mess to my message. I give you my stumbling blocks. Turn my stumbling blocks to stepping stones. I give you my work. Turn my work into your purpose and calling in my life. I give you my desires. Turn my desires into your destiny. I give you my life in submission. Show me your mission. I give you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to ask Pastor Tom to come back out here. And take it from there. No problem. Thank you. He might be a sword swaller, but he doesn't remember names. My name's Chris, actually. So, um, but we do have a pastor, Tom. Just in case you're like, where's he at? No, he's there too. Okay. Um, hey, we are so excited that uh, you were here today, and we want to be able to serve you in any way that we can as well. And one thing that was like really, really cool is that um, in the back, Dan actually showed me how to swallow this butter knife. Would you like to see it? Okay, here you go. No, I'm joking. I, 
I have people having heart attacks right now. You know, Dan lived, Chris died. You know, that was the end of the show. Um, but that's it. Hey, uh, we do want to be a kind of church that loves you guys, that encourages you. You're not alone as you go through this thing called life. And uh, we really want to be able to give you hope uh, through this. And so in a couple weeks, uh, we're actually starting a new uh, Christmas series. Christmas is coming. And uh, it's called The Ghost of Christmas Past. And, uh, you know, the holidays are tough sometimes for all of us um, because there's stuff in our past. And as he talked about today, we want to help you to understand and overcome uh, the anxieties in your life. And one of those often is our past. So uh, in a couple weeks, we'll be starting it uh, on December 5th called Ghost of Christmas Past. And we hope that you'll come here. There won't be a sword swallower, okay? Um, But we will be talking about getting some of that stuff from your past over as we talk about overcoming offenses, overcoming shame from our past, and then also able to overcome labels. And uh, Dan talked about that today. Labels that people give us that we can overcome. So let me uh, just close this in prayer real quick. And if you would want to, we stand uh, real quick and then we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be done. <clears throat> well, God, we uh, thank you so much for bringing us to this place. We thank you for the way that you move and breathe and have your way. And God, I thank you for each person here. And I pray that as they came to see some really cool sword swallowing, what they'll leave with, God, is the strength to know that they do not have to be anxious about anything, but to know that you are present with them in everything and that you are head over heels in love with them. So I pray your blessing on each one of them, each person on the stream. Uh, We just ask, God, that you continue to help us to be able to see that all things truly are possible in Christ. God, help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.